Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Falcoholic podcast listeners, welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, here to bring you the next in our exciting series of content, which is going to be live training camp recaps of the day's practices and events. We're going to be doing these Uh, for the first week of training camp as I am on site for the practices themselves. Uh, We'll hopefully be able to record some of these from Flowery Branch, but uh, we'll have these coming out every day over the first week of training camp and then also coming over the remainder of the off-season. So uh, we hope you enjoy these new live recap shows uh, and we're going to get them out in podcast format as quickly as we can for folks who prefer this format to enjoy, enjoy them as well. So thank you guys. For all that you do, be, be sure to also check out the Falcoholic Live live on YouTube, uh, 8, 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesdays. And also these are going to be live immediately following training camp practices over the next week. So thank you guys very much for listening. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to our first training camp recap for the Falcons of the 2021 NFL season. I am, of course, your host, Kevin Knight, at Falcoholic Kevin, in process here. Uh, apologize for the uh, the brief delay there, just getting some stuff sorted out here in my, uh, my new digs while I'm at training camp, so we appreciate your patience, guys. Uh, with me today, as you can see, he is... Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way. <laughs> Jason says Adnan looks like he just got back from the gym or mowing the lawn. Yeah, guys, uh, thank you for tuning in for our training camp recap. We are going to be uh, covering a number of topics today that we uh, heard about at camp. Uh, we didn't have a, an official representative at camp today. Uh, as you guys, I'm sure, are aware, you know, COVID is still a thing, so they are limiting uh, the number of people who can be at training camp on a given day. Yeah, Adnan, uh, again, tell the people how you're doing on this this fine, auspicious training camp kickoff day. Uh, I'm uh, doing well, very hopeful. Uh, I have not been around the past month. I went into hibernation for the end of the uh, dead period so that I'm ready with the takes for NFL season. And I'm back just in time for training camp. Exactly. Very fortunate timing to return. Uh, almost like it was on purpose. <laughs> but uh, yeah, guys, we, we do definitely have some info for you. Uh, a lot of stuff went down today. Nothing earth shattering necessarily, but we do have some some updates, some health stuff going on. Uh, the you know, we can tell you guys about more a little bit more information about the guys that ended up on the physically unable to perform list otherwise known as the pup to start camp uh so we're gonna get to all of that here in a second uh, but otherwise guys thank you for tuning in uh please do like subscribe all that good stuff uh and check out you know all the links and stuff that we have in the chat you know for the patreon and all that if you haven't checked that out yet but uh let's get right into some training camp 
talk. Uh, first thing, and it's the big one, is the injury updates. We did obviously hear yesterday that the Falcons have three players starting out on the physically unable to perform list. Uh, that is Matt Gono, which was not a surprise considering we knew he had some sort of offseason surgery, although we still don't know what the nature of that surgery was. And then two surprising ones, uh, Caleb McGarry, the starting right tackle, and Deidre not the defensive tackle. Um, and it's important to note that we like don't necessarily know much about these guys. Obviously, Gono showed up to camp wearing a neck brace, so you know there is some speculation there that it's like a neck spine something. We don't know. Uh, Arthur Smith, who has been very tight-lipped about injuries, did make it clear that Deidre Sanat's injury is an upper body injury of some kind. Um, and McGarry, he was very, very vague about, uh, only to say that he would be returning, quote, sooner than later, uh, but didn't want to put a timeline on it. So, uh, Adnan, any of these, uh, uh, I mean, obviously we didn't know about Sanat or McGarry, but let's let's start with McGarry, seeing as he's the, the nominal starter. What's your level of concern about McGarry's injury at this point? Uh, it's only the first day of camp. It doesn't seem like it's going to be long term, but but what are your thoughts on on this development uh, so early in the off season? Uh, on a one to ten, my concern is maybe a seven, just because Arthur Smith said outright that he should be back sooner than later, or at least sooner than uh, Matt Gono and Deidre Sanat will be back, which I fully expect both of those guys to be out for the first six weeks of the season, as the as pup. Uh, rules indicate when we get into the regular season. Uh, with McGarry, I'm I'm concerned because he needs the reps uh, with within training camp. Like Caleb McGarry is going into year three, but the first two years haven't exactly been very, you know, very strong for uh, for him. This first season, he was he was an abject disaster. In his second second season, he was you know, a little better, but, you know, there's nowhere to go but up uh, given how bad he was in, in year one, giving up the most sacks in the NFL among all offensive linemen. So I really would have liked to see him get these training camp reps as much as possible because he is going to be maybe the biggest key within the offensive line this year. And I went over this uh, on the podcast with the DW uh, which was published a couple days ago, previewing the offensive line. Chris Lindstrom and Jake Matthews are going to be solid, you know, maybe even mm-hmm. Pro Bowl level. Uh, Matt Hennessy is a question mark. Left guard is a question mark, uh, depending on no matter who starts at left guard. So you really need Caleb McGarry to have the best season of his career thus far, and the best season by a wide margin, I would say, because you cannot go into 2021 with with three minus level starters and that's pretty much what McGarry's been the past couple of years due to his inconsistency you need at least three plus level starters for this offensive line to work because it doesn't matter how good Arthur Smith's scheme is it doesn't matter you know what a wizard he is in the red zone none of that will matter if the offensive line just shits the bed right so to speak yeah so so we really need I really don't like the Caleb McGarry's out, but you know, given the fact that he'll be back by week one is comforting. But we really, really need Caleb McGarry to 
to take a big step forward this season and this is not a good start toward that yeah yeah i agree it, it's disconcerting i mean the the best you know case scenario is probably that it's maybe a minor conditioning thing or some sort of minor injury um maybe something they found during the physical that they're just sort of kind of like all right just take it easy to start camp you know we're not going to start you out full reps just kind of take you know a week or so um Obviously, we don't know, so it's only speculation at this point, but we're hoping that it is minor, and, you know, with with Arthur Smith saying that it is a sooner rather than later thing, hopefully it is more like a conditioning versus, like, some sort of long-term concern. Um, Matt Gono, you know, we weren't surprised about, but it does obviously suck to lose such a capable swing tackle. Um, and then Deidre Sanat, total surprise. Um, he was going to be kind of fighting for his life on the roster with a new regime, um, this obviously doesn't help things. I mean, I, I don't know basically how he makes the roster at this point. D- defensive tackle was already kind of going to be a bloodbath where they were going to be cutting some capable players no matter what. So with him not able to even compete in camp at all, I just don't really see how that's uh, going to work out well for him. And it's unfortunate because I think he did have a chance to impress the new staff and maybe stick around, you know, get a chance that he didn't really get strangely under the staff that drafted him in the third round but um uh, we'll never know about that storyline i guess I'll, I'll always appreciate the uh the amount of content that we've gotten from <laughs> the from the deidran sanat tires the amount of yeah. uh, amount of uh, amount of mileage we've gotten from that on this show the past few years just talking about him and why he's not playing and why you know he's not getting any sort of a chance i, I agree i think he's he's his time on the roster, he's on bor- borrowed time at this point, to the point where when he gets off the pup list, I would not be surprised at all if, if they just cut him the way they did with Rashid, Rashid Hageman uh, a couple of years ago. But, you know, it, it's it, it's been a it's been a hell of a ride, uh, Deidrin. Yeah, it has. It's, and, you know, I, I would think that he probably has a chance to catch on somewhere. It's just the whole odyssey has been strange, to say the least. But, uh, you know, with McGarry and Gono out, there was a big question mark about who was going to be at right tackle. I listed off about, you know, seven guys in my tweet and it ended up being none of those guys. It ended up being, which is my fault for not listening, but, you know, Jalen Mayfield is uh, actually starting at right tackled, uh, right tackle now with McGarry and Gono out, um, which it shouldn't be shocking because he did play right tackle in college. Uh, he was a very good college right tackle. That is his natural position. It was kind of, based on what we heard and what we were told Mayfield was kind of expected to transition to guard athletically and, and size wise that it's a better fit for him long term but with such a dearth of offensive tackle options uh it may be something that the, the coaching staff wants is to just look let's just plug Mayfield in we know he should be comfortable here um so what are your thoughts on Mayfield starting out his Falcons training camp at right tackle instead of competing for that guard spot right off the bat. I'm shocked. Like I'm legitimately surprised because, you know, reading the tea leaves and listening to everything around Jalen Mayfield in the pick, it sounded like, like you said, you know, he is going to be kicking in and uh, competing at left guard even as early as this season because the left guard options, just like the right tackle options beyond Caleb McGarry are pretty much non-existent uh so 
the fact that Jalen Mayfield is spending his time at right tackle and versatility is always a good thing with uh, with young offensive linemen. You like them to be versatile. But I'm surprised that they're making this move because if he sticks at right tackle for the next number of weeks, first of all, he's not going to start at right tackle. Like that's that's Caleb McGarry's job when he mm-hmm. comes back and it should be by week one. If he continues to play right tackle in McGarry's absence, and if that absence is extended, that takes away any chance of Mayfield playing left guard, not just to start the season, but at all this season. He needs to get as many reps as possible in that position, given the fact that he didn't really play that position the majority of the time while he was in college for him to possibly transition into it sooner rather than later. And maybe this is just the coaching staff admitting that, all right, there's we're just not planning on Jalen Mayfield playing this year unless it's in a very dire emergency situation. So I'm, I'm surprised that the new signing Spriggs wasn't the day one training camp starter running with the ones at right tackle. Yeah, I mean, I guess it shows that maybe they do – view Mayfield as a a possible swing tackle or just a guy that they think can play multiple positions and you know I think they probably were hoping to have him factor in at guard this year because that's where the big hole is on the roster but look he knows how to play tackle he can play tackle we'll see if the size concerns and the athleticism limitations which at guard he's actually a very good athlete at tackle you know fairly average so um, it'll be interesting to see if you know McGarry's absence early on here kind of pigeonholes him into the swing tackle role because we have no idea when Mac Ono's coming back. It it sounds like maybe it'll be sometime this season, but it's not going to be to start the season. So they'll need somebody there. Um, I agree with you. Like I, I think, you know, we'll, we'll see Spriggs there at some point. Um, but again, like Spriggs got to the facility like a couple days ago. So maybe they're just like, look, he doesn't know the playbook yet. He doesn't know the plays. Like let's give him a few days, maybe a week to kind of get settled. And then We'll plug him in and see what he can do. Um, but, I mean, uh, outside of Spriggs, I mean, it, it's kind of just a, a list of guys. You know, William Sweet, um, Willie Beavers, who transitioned to guard and maybe is going to transition back to tackle now. Um, you know, we have an undrafted free agent, Keon Smith, who I think is, like, interesting. But, again, it, it's kind of it, – it's Jalen Mayfield right now. <laughs> like, And maybe Jason Spriggs at, in a little bit, but at this point, I mean, yeah, I'm just... Basically, uh, yeah. basically, we really need this to be the healthiest unit in the NFL. The <laughs> And even if they are, they're, they're probably still going to be below average, but there is no depth on this, especially with the tackles beyond Matt Gono. I don't know uh, how, how big of a believer uh, you are in Spriggs and the fan base is in Spriggs, but you know, if McGarry doesn't play well or if he or Jake Matthews go down, then, you know, it's going to be it's going to be very, very rough, to say the least, yeah. uh, w- with with one of those tackle positions. Yeah, I agree. It is uh, it's going to be a tough spot. And I think, you know, I don't know if the signing of Spriggs right before camp kind of indicated that they knew there was a problem with McGarry or if they were just kind of looking to upgrade, you know, their tackle depth because it was pretty bad behind Gono and I guess Mayfield. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's... But one thing that surprises me is we we heard some rumblings about Gono's injury, what, a week, a week, two weeks ago. Uh, 
I'm surprised that if they knew that he was going to be out for a while, and, and they know, their yeah. their medical personnel knows, yeah. why not make a signing for a Spriggs or for one of these potential swing tackles to start the season back then so they can come in, possibly learn, learn the playbook? Because I don't think Spriggs was really, you, you know, holding the Falcons' feet to the fire in negotiations and, you know, holding out for some big-time contract. That's uh, – I'm just surprised that they waited this long to make that signing and to do it right before training camp to the point where, like you said, he probably doesn't know the playbook or uh, anything to for him to be effective within training uh, for a few days. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. that. So that could also be, you know – maybe a sign that they weren't expecting McGarry to start on Pup because if they thought they had McGarry and they're like, okay, we can kind of, you know, cobble something together with these other guys, you know, if Gono's not going to be here and, you know, we'll see if we need to either sign somebody else to be the swing tackle or maybe we, we can put Mayfield there if he doesn't win guard. But, like, this could throw off the whole plan for left guard too because if Mayfield's not able to, to get any reps there because McGarry and Gono are both out and they don't trust any of these other guys enough, then that could throw off his whole rookie season like if he maybe had a chance to start a guard and he has to kind of you know spend half half of training camp playing a tackle while we wait for McGarry to come back and then maybe gets like half half an opportunity at guard I mean that's going to potentially throw his rookie season into whack as well so that's unfortunate I mean maybe he just ends up being the swing tackle and that's you know fine for a rookie especially a third round round rookie to be your swing tackle in year one I mean that's that's not like it's a poor investment but um, I think we were really kind of hoping that Mayfield would win the left guard job and we wouldn't be saddled with Josh Andrews this year, but um, it seems like the Josh Andrews, uh, Josh Andrews, you know, is inevitable like Thanos. We can't, he's like Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, if he, if you sign him, he's going to, he's starting. So um, and there's just nothing you can do about that. But uh, speaking of other offensive line updates, I know folks have asked, um, so we did get the, the first team offensive line without Caleb McGarry, Matt Gono. Um, it was Josh Andrews at left guard. Not a surprise based on what we heard in minicamp and other reports. Matt Hennessy getting the first crack at center. Um, and then, like we said, Jalen Mayfield getting the first crack at right tackle with those two other guys out. So that is where we are now. Not surprising, but just a, a, an update so you guys know. Things obviously could change over the course of camp because this is just day one. Um we also, before we get too far away from it, um, this wasn't from today. This was from a couple days ago, but we did have a number of players added to the uh, COVID-19 list, which means they either tested positive or were a close contact of someone who did test positive. Um, so for reference, um, some of the, the names on that list that folks should know about, um, it would be Dante Fowler was the one that got added yesterday. Um, so that's obviously a big one. Uh, Lee Smith, the tight end, also uh, getting put on there. And then there were three other guys. I can't remember them off the top of my head. Don't want to say the wrong names. But there were three other guys as well that were added to that list. So um, obviously we're hoping, you know, for the best for them that it, that it's, uh, you know, not really COVID. And it's just close contacts. We just don't know for sure. So um, we're going to keep an eye on that situation going forward. Um but yeah, let's talk about some more positive health news. Uh, and we'll start with Calvin Ridley. Looks healthy, looks ready to go after his very minor procedure that he had in June on his foot. Um, it was not believed to really impact his availability for camp 
or for the season. But uh, we did have reports that he looks great, looks healthy out there. Uh, and just how important is Calvin Ridley's health for the Falcons, Adnan? Um, it's huge. Uh, hot take. Calvin Ridley is a very, very important piece on the Falcons' offense, especially an offense that lost Julio Jones this past year. Like we know Calvin Ridley is going to have to shoulder the load as the number one option on offense and you know pretty much will have to be maybe the best player on the field on offense for the Falcons this season uh, outside of Matt Ryan uh, and the offensive lineman of course. This is just talking about skill position pieces but yeah without Calvin Ridley out there the Falcons number one wide receiver would be Russell Gage and you know well, this is a pro Russell Gage show. Yes, we, yes. we like Russell Gage. Uh, Russell Gage is someone I've I've hyped up since his rookie year. Uh, he's someone who whose pro- progress I very much enjoy tracking, and he's someone whom I've given a lot of credit to for developing as a wide receiver after being drafted as a special teams gunner, and someone whom I, I thought you know he had a ceiling of being a nice slot wide receiver in the NFL and he's already become that in year three so full marks very impressed with Russell Gage but he is not a number one wide receiver (laughs) and it's gonna be rough if you're going out there and he's he's the guy outside of a rookie Kyle Pitts who thus far has taken uh, by my calculations zero offensive snaps in in his NFL career and combine that with a running back group that's really rather unproven. I mean, Mike Davis, you know, had some some good games, uh, but he's he's been a career backup. In behind him, it's it's a lot of unproven talent. So, you know, Calvin Ridley is for his team. I would argue maybe one of the five most important wide receivers in the NFL when it yeah, comes yeah. to importance to his team. I'm not saying he's one of the five best wide receivers in the league, at least not yet, but definitely incredibly, incredibly important for him to be healthy, mm-hmm. for him to be effective, for him to continue where he left off from last year because Julio Jones was out a lot last season and Calvin Ridley did step into that number one wide receiver role and he did a fantastic job of it and I think that played into the decision to trade Julio Jones because the brass saw and the brass knew that Calvin Ridley can step into that wide receiver one role but without him this offense at least scale position wise is maybe probably one of the three least talented offenses from a pure talent standpoint when it comes to just looking at weapons outside of quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we we were spoiled for a long time having Julio and Calvin here where we could, you know, afford really to weather an injury to our top wide receiver or to Calvin Ridley because we had another wide receiver just kind of sitting there. But this is the this is the reality for most NFL teams. And, you know, you go to the Saints right now, right, who don't have Michael Thomas, you know, for maybe – no, yeah. Sean Payton is mad. <laughs> Sean Payton is just you can you can see the steam coming out of his ears oh, yeah. in that press conference. He is, he is hot. Oh yeah. At Michael Thomas <laughs> pulling a Scotty Pippen from the last <laughs> dance just saying, "Oh yeah, I, I wanted to enjoy my summer." You know. <laughs> 
This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay snack We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay snack bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Man, yeah. I mean, like, look, we love to see it as Falcons fans, but, you know, just look at them for an example. Like, that wide receiver group went from being like, oh, it's okay, to like, oh my god, this is so bad. Like, and they lost, like, one of their... Uh, Top, I think Deontay Harris is their wide receiver three. He's probably going to be suspended for multiple games following his DUI arrest last week. Um, yeah, it's been a rough offseason. So... <laughs> like, it's been a rough offseason for the Falcons, but it's nothing compared to what the Saints are going through right now. Yeah, it's rough out there. But, you know, I do like Russell Gage. I like the depth guys that the Falcons have, but they need uh, Calvin Ridley to, to stay healthy and be that wide receiver one. They really need him to, to be that sort of player for them until Kyle Pitts is ready to kind of take on, you know, a, a more prominent role. And like, I think we're all hoping he can do that immediately, but I think it's wiser for all of us if we just sort of let Kyle Pitts play a sort of, you know, complementary role early on. And then maybe he can morph into being, you know, the primary threat on offense. But uh, ideally he has time to to sort of, you know, grow into that role and not to be thrust into that immediately because we have, you know, disasters everywhere else. So, uh, so far, so good on that. Um, And we're going to see where that all goes. But, uh, all right. Another health update. This one also positive. Uh, 2022nd rounder Marlon Davidson looks healthy and stacked. Uh, Tori McElhaney of The Athletic reported that uh, Marlon Davidson looks absolutely toned up and, like, he's been putting in a lot of work uh, Grady Jarrett also seemed to be extremely happy to have Marlon Davidson back and, and talked about his work ethic and, you know, all the, you know, his difficult rookie season and, and the fact that, you know, Jarrett is, is really excited to see him back out there. So, uh, Adnan, with the state of the defensive line, we didn't get to see a lot from Marlon Davidson last year. What do you think about uh, the news that he looks healthy and ready to go for his second NFL season? I'm excited. I I went into this year. Marlon Davidson is one of the for, forgotten Falcons on this team who is going to be a very, very important piece. And I am incredibly excited about his bounce back from his very rough and very unfortunate rookie season where, you know, he had the injuries. He had that bout with COVID uh, and he was just completely... You know, it, his rookie season derailed right at the starting line. So this year will pretty much be another rookie season for him, uh, especially last year with COVID. None of the rookies really got 
an opportunity to go through off-season workouts, uh, true off-season workouts with their teams. And that stuff is, it's incredibly important for guys transitioning into the NFL. And it's incredibly important for specific positions as well, quarterback, cornerback, and defensive linemen, especially because those are arguably the toughest positions to transition in toward from college to the NFL because, you know, you look at a quarterback, it it just needs no explanation. You have to do everything. Uh, Corners, you're facing off against much better wide receivers than in college. And D-linemen, you're facing off against much stronger and much more terrifying offensive linemen than you did in the college game. Right. So Marlon Davidson being out for – for those camps last year and none of the rookies being able to to do those camps that was you know that was just an omen of bad things to come for him personally and this year if marlon davidson can be what we think he can be and he's someone we took in the second round he's uh, a former defensive player of the year in the sec Mm -hmm. you know that's going to go a long way and maybe in masking some of the flaws of this defense like this defense has no edge like there there is no pass rush <laughs> on, on this team May, yeah. it's maybe the worst the worst stable of pass rushers in the NFL and probably by a good margin it's going to be very important for Grady Jarrett to have some help along the inside and that's where Marlon Davidson comes into play to maybe mask that a little bit by getting that interior push. It's something that Mike Smith and Thomas Dimitrov fell in love with and so they they never really went after any pass rushers back in the day and that didn't work out very well at all. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it's kind of a history repeating itself here to where let's let's kind of hope it works out a little bit better than it did back in those mid-2010 years where the defense was just atrocious. Uh, But yeah, Marlon Davidson, if he can, if if he can be what I think he can be this year, then that's going to go a long way in not, I don't think this defense is going to be top 10. I don't think there's any scenario (laughs) where this defense is top 10, but at the very least it could be, maybe in the teens maybe yeah, in the maybe. in the early 20 it won't be in the 30s no hopefully not yeah hopefully it won't <laughs> be in the 30s and, and I'm, I'm saying this as like a best case scenario yeah R- right objectively this defense could easily just fall out and just be absolutely horrendous it could it could I, I think you know i think dean pease is a better defensive coordinator than the falcons have had in just a really long time um and this is coming from someone who generally thought you know Raheem Morris did a pretty good job when he took things over in the second half of last season you know I think he did about as well as you could hope with what he had but Dean Pease you know he he doesn't he hasn't needed elite edge players to make his scheme work in the past um he has needed like competent rotational pieces uh and like competent starters so you know, I think it's unclear at this point if the Falcons even have that. But, um, you know, hopefully between Fowler, the rookie Ogundeji, uh, Stephen Means, and, you know, the next couple guys we're going to talk about here in a second, which is another update we're going to bring you. Um, you know, hopefully they can kind of cobble something together because I think the interior with guys like Grady Jarrett, Marlon Davidson, um, John Kaminsky, like I think they have 
pieces on the interior that you like. And I think maybe that could be a strength of the defense for the first time in a while, because I think, you know, we could see this team play some more three, four looks and, and get, you know, two sort of three, four defensive end like players in there. Like, you know, Marlon Davidson, perfect for that role. So is someone like John Kaminsky. Um, but, you know, we'll just have to see. We'll have to see how it goes, because right now the edge group alone looks pretty desolate um, and, and scary. So um, if they could be in the teens by the end of the year in terms of total defense, I think we're looking at a wild card team for sure if the defense is that good. So, uh, you know, <laughs> so if we're talking about, you know, like high teens, you know, 17, 18. That's still probably enough with this offense, assuming, you know, they don't crater. Um I think this, that's enough for this team to be fine. And I think that's all Dean Pease is really trying to get out of what he has, which is like, look, let's just not be a disaster. Let's play sound defense. Let's be aggressive and try to force some mistakes. And I think with the, with a good offense, that could be enough uh, to get things done. So um, speaking of the pass rush, we did get a little bit of an update on some other guys who might be contributing to that pass rush. Um, we did hear yesterday in press conferences from people that saw him that Michael Walker, the linebacker, uh, had bulked up, added maybe 20, 15, 20 pounds, playing closer to 240, 245. That would seem to indicate that they do plan to use him more as perhaps a Sam linebacker on the line of scrimmage, doing some pass rushing, which he did a lot of in college. Also today we saw uh, linebacker Brandon Copeland uh, working with the outside linebackers, aka the the edge rushers, in drills, um, and that makes a lot of sense because Copeland plays has played that role in the past. Uh, he played that role with the Jets, uh, had a pretty good season there as a part time starter in 2018, where he had five sacks, uh, a lot of pressures, and a lot of tackles for loss. So, um, you know, a way to perhaps get over the fact that they don't have a lot of pure edge players that are good is maybe they can get some production from some of these other guys like Brandon Copeland, Michael Walker. You know, we talked about John Kaminsky too, but what do you think about the Falcons using some of these versatile players at edge to kind of bolster the lack of depth there? Oh, I don't think they'll have a choice. (laughs) Like just looking at, uh, at some of these guys that we have on the roster unless we make a signing and I mean everyone's holding out hope for a guy like a Justin Houston which would be great like you know I'm all for it I, I would very much welcome that signing but there's just so many question marks with this edge group and it, it's it's the question marks where we're calling it question marks as Falcons fans on like covering the team and as guys who have a lot of hope and a lot of optimism and the best case scenario happening but it's question marks also in that people who are looking at it who aren't Falcons fans outside of this team would look at this edge group and say it's absolutely disastrous Mm. because right now you know you have Dante Fowler who a couple of years ago was really, really good to the point where uh, the Falcons gave him that very big <laughs> contract. Oof. And, and I remember writing an article saying, pretty much saying that this is the make or break contract for Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov. If this doesn't work out, they're, they're going to be fired pretty much. And it, that turned out to be completely true. Yeah. But, you know, hopefully you can have Dante Fowler have a bounce back year. And just like with Caleb McGarry, it's not a good sign mm-hmm. uh, that he's missing the start of training camp. Hopefully he doesn't have COVID, like you said. Uh, hopefully he's vaccinated. 
also hopefully yeah. uh, but um definitely definitely right now you're gonna have to piece and cobble you're gonna have to cobble some pieces together and you know brandon copeland sure like you know he has at least some, he's had five sacks yeah. in a season before you know that's yeah, a lot more ha- than you can say for most of these guys uh, i mean uh, hey uh, the past few years someone having five sacks for the falcons that that would be a that would, that would be, be like- a, a a, a bright spot yeah yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah that'll be second on the team behind the defensive tackle right. grady jared most yep, of the yeah. year mm-hmm. um but yeah right now the there's so many question marks and if if fowler does have another another disastrous season like last year then there's just going to be no pressure on the quarterback unless grady jared just goes out there and does it himself every single play yeah yeah i agree and you know, it's, it's going to be tough, I think, for them to generate pressure. You know, they're going to be relying on creating a lot of chaos. Um, you know, I, I think they're planning to be opportunistic, not necessarily like an elite down-to-down defense. And I think that's going to be really frustrating for fans because I think they'll have some games where they get two, three turnovers and they look great. And I think they'll have some games where they're out there against a really good offense that they can't force into any mistakes that has a good offensive line. And look, if they've got a good offensive line with a good settled veteran quarterback like an Aaron Rodgers, you know, they're they're not going to get thrown off by Dean Pease's pressure. Um, Like, don't get me wrong. Blitz is impressive and creating that manufactured pressure. It's something that we, we were wanting to see with Dan Quinn for years and years. And he just refused. He was going to rush for, and he was going to do that bland vanilla uh, cover three defense every single time and he was going to match up man on man and that that just didn't work and he just didn't adapt and as a result he he's out of here and he should have been out of here a lot or a lot sooner than he was because as a result we had a full-on lost year last season because Arthur Blank was too loyal to him yeah however it, it's going to be it, like you said it's going to be nice and that could possibly propel a defense up a couple of spots if Dean Pease utilizes it correctly and I think he will because you know who am I to doubt Dean Pease he's been coaching longer than I've been alive a lot longer than I've been alive and I think he's going I think this defense will be a bit better than their talent Mm -hmm. just because of Dean Pease's coaching and his coaching ability however that cute stuff, the, those blitzes, that manufactured stuff, it only gets you so far. And when we get toward crunch time and if this team does po- possibly find itself in a playoff position, that's that's not going to get you all the way because at the end of the day, talent is going to win out. And being able to beat the guy across from you one-on-one, that's what ends up winning in the long term. And that's that's what ended up winning the Super Bowl for the Bucks last year. That's that that's what you need to get it done. That's not what the Falcons have, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a pretty painful rebuild for the Falcons, at least defensively, to get to that point because it's not just a one off season thing. It's gonna take multiple off seasons to be able to to build that kind of unit, at least on the defensive side of the ball. And I don't think that this offense is good enough to really hide those deficiencies on the defense the way it was in a 2016, for example, the way the Chiefs defense was a couple of years ago when they won the Super Bowl. So, you know, this team is in a bit at a bit of a crossroads in that, you know, 
they can't really hit that reset button because right. of the disaster that Thomas Dimitrov, Dimitrov left on the books. But you know, you you have to be you have to try and be competitive, and that's what they're going to do. But I think I think the final result of that will probably be a pretty mediocre team if you're looking at it objectively. Yeah, I mean, I I think you know. I know some fans talked about, you know, what do we think the up, the upside for the offense and defense is? And I think if you think this Falcons offense can be top five, I think there are plenty of outcomes where that happens. Like, I think this offense probably would have been, I mean, top eight if, if Arthur Smith was coordinating it last year based on his red zone prowess. You know, Dirk Cutter famously awful in the red zone. If all you changed from 2020's offense was the red zone efficiency from the 53 or whatever it was under Cutter to the 75% under Arthur Smith, they would have been, I think, the 8th or 7th uh, highest scoring offense, despite all the problems they had and not having Julio and all this. So, um, you know, I think the biggest concern offense is the offensive line, and we'll, we'll see how that goes. But um, I think it's it's possible that that unit is really good. And that kind of carries the the team into contention for a wild card spot. The defense, I think, the ceiling is a lot lower with the defense, and I think they just don't have the pieces throughout for it to be that good. Defense is is much more a what does the whole look like sort of thing. You can't get away with having you know really we you can't get away with having weaknesses. If you can get everything on your defense to a solid level and improve some of those those things to a you know above average to elite level. I think you're going to have a really good defense. But if you have some positions that are good, like the Falcons, I think linebacker and defensive tackle are both good. Um, but your edge group is awful and your cornerback group is a giant question mark and your safety group is also somewhat of a question mark. Like none of those positions can really be bad if you want to have a good defense. So that's why I think that the possibility of them being like a top 10 unit is very unlikely. There's always the chance that they have like a 2012 season where they just get a crazy number of turnovers and, you know, end up being a lot better than they should in terms of statistics. But also on the flip side, DPs has never really coordinated a bad defense. He's coordinated some defenses that, you know, weren't great, um, that were like in, you know, the sort of uh, like low 20s, um, things like that. But I think for the most part, we're looking at this defense being somewhere between like best case scenario about league average, worst case scenario, you know, being 25th, 26th, something like that. Um, Yeah. And turnovers are so random. Like things could completely break your way with turnovers the way, like you said, they did in 2012, the way they did in 2010, especially. And this team could be, you know, that could result in this team being a lot better record wise than probably it should be. And, you know, there's optimism that if everything breaks right, this team can win 10, 11 games, especially with, you know, the division being in the state that it's in. Like, the Falcons could be second in this division just by default. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The the Panthers aren't doing anything, and the Saints (laughs) are just having the off off season from hell right now. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that could be a potentially four wins right there just within the division. Not saying that any division games are really going to be gimmies, but you you know, I'm not saying that oh, this team is going to be a disaster. It's going to be below 500. Like no, no, not at all. Yeah, this team could end up winning 11 games, but you know, even if they even if they do, and even if everything does break right, there's still there's still a lot of work that needs to be done with this roster moving forward in the coming off seasons. 
you, you know, no, no yeah. matter yeah. what happens this year, it, it's this isn't close to a finished product. And, you know, even if this team wins 10, 11 games, like a rebuild could still be on the horizon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a process. And, you know, we, we heard, you know, I think Fontenot kind of bristling at people saying like, oh, well, if you don't believe we're trying to compete now, you know, you just are disrespecting us. But like, I think we're just trying to be realistic and like try to give them some some cover for what they're doing, which is that, look, they needed to get out of a disastrous cap situation. They needed to sort of evaluate the pieces they have from the previous regime. And you just can't add enough players in one offseason, especially if you don't have any money. To, to make a complete change that, that you probably were looking for. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't think it's... I mean, I think that they are trying to win football games. You know, I don't think they're lying about that, but I think the expectation that fans should have is not that they're, you know, competing for the division title or anything like that. It's going to be really hard to get by the Bucks. I mean, they're, they're just the Super Bowl champions, okay? Like, it's going to be hard to get by them. It's not going to be impossible to steal a game off them. In fact, I think the Falcons probably will, but... Um, it's 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 gonna be tough this year. I mean, I think the Falcons are gonna be better, uh, regardless. But I think that better could be seven and ten, or it could be ten and seven. I think they'll finish somewhere in that range. Um, obviously, ten and seven, you know, being much more exciting, positive year. But like, I think if they go, you know, eight and nine, nine and eight, somewhere in that range, um, I think we'd probably be satisfied with that as like a you know a step forward as long as you know they they look encouraging and they they do some good things and we see like some signs of life and they don't just last year was just a barrage of just uh like i mean it was like every single freaking game we had to come on here and be like oh well they found another way to blow it and it's like if they could just not do that if they could just lose like a normal team where it's like oh we just got outplayed today you know, it was close at the end, but we just like couldn't quite yeah. bring it home. You know, when, I was nice. rooting, when I was rooting for the tank, that ended up being kind of exciting. Like, <laughs> oh, how are we going to blow it this week? You had to, we had total confidence. Even Young Way Koo contributed to the tank, and you know what a hero, first of all. But um, yeah, like that Chargers game, that was just like, man. all right, you, you can't really do anything but laugh at that point. <laughs> man, yeah, and Eric gave up on the season after week two. So, <laughs> oh man, but uh, yeah, I mean. We got a long way to go, guys, before the season starts. A lot of training camp left to be observed. A lot of preseason, three games of that. Um, so definitely stay tuned here. We're going to be bringing you recaps. It might not be every single day because uh, we might be, you know, actually at training camp. And I don't know what the situation is going to be in terms of if I can record there or not. We're going to find out. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely keep your eyes on the Falcoholic.com on the stream here. Um, I think Adnan and I will both be there Saturday. Is that are you trying to be there Saturday as well? Yes. yes. Yes, I will be there Saturday and probably Sunday as well. Yes. So I will definitely be there Saturday, Sunday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, still waiting to hear back from the team about some of the other days. Uh, for those who don't know, the COVID protocols that they have mean they have to limit the number of media they can have in attendance every single day. So, um, you know, it, we're just sort of trying to wait our turn and, you know, uh, trying, you know, they, they will work us in some days. We don't know exactly which ones, um, but, you know, one way or another, we'll be there for the open practices and hopefully some of the closed practices. So keep an eye out for that. 
Um, but we do appreciate all you guys for tuning in and hanging out with us today. We're excited to have some actual football news to talk about for a change instead of, you know, endless roster speculation, which, you know, to be fair, we did. I think we did a great job of. But <laughs> after about the sixth show talking about, you know, the best training camp battles, I was like, all right, we need like actual training camp for a change. Um, but yeah, guys, if you don't mind throwing a like, throwing a, subs- a subscribe at us, we appreciate that. Uh, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash live to support the show, unlock exclusive perks. Uh, and also make sure you follow my co-host, Mr. Adnan Ikech at Say Which Way. Adnan, anything else you're working on you'd like to plug? Oh, yeah, I'm going to continue the uh, article series looking at the best moments. We've gotten to the final eight, and it's prob- probably going to be doing that for the next few weeks because it takes a while for people to vote on it. I want to leave voting open for at least a week for yeah, each of these yeah. final few articles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one's a lot of fun. I'm excited to see who ends up, which moments end up winning that because I think there's there's some some pretty interesting ones left. And I don't know what I don't know what direction the fans are gonna go. Uh, so we're gonna that that's fun. Make sure you participate in that, guys, for sure. Um, and I'm Kevin Knight at Alcoholic Kevin on Twitter. Like I said, uh, follow me there uh, for training camp updates uh, every day. Even if I'm not there, I'll be you know covering the uh, the top you know our our top Falcons people, Tory and Michael Rothstein. Um, those guys that are uh, going to be there some of the days that we're not able to go um, and we'll have updates for you all through camp um, and yeah we're excited excited for real football excited for the preseason not too far after camp so guys until next time uh, I'm Kevin for Adnan as well thank you for tuning in to the Falcoholic Live and we will talk to you guys real soon when we have more interesting training camp stuff to talk about until next time guys have a great night